Welcome to Figures Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Adil Khan. Doctor, I saw the first time I saw you was on Fuad uh, Abiyat's uh, YouTube channel about three years ago. And I think it's exactly three years ago. It was uh, launched in January 2021, where you discussed about uh, PRP treatment for Fuad Abiyat. And ever since then, I've seen you everywhere on every yeah. podcast. <laughs> and and I, I saw you at Swiss Symposium. I mean, it, it's so good to see you like really get into your own and, and become so popular over the last couple of years because you're really on the forefront of, of stem cell therapy and, and gene therapy and all that stuff. So that's why I wanted to have you on. Let me know how you got started in this field. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple because it's basically just a desire to really want to help people. When you go into medicine, you're basically naive a little bit in the sense that you, you think that you, you're being taught the best solutions and you're being taught from the best people. And you, at least for me, I quickly realized that there's a little bit of indoctrination and uh, I would say conditioning in terms of what we're being told. And then once you go kind of outside of just the guidelines and you start reading about functional medicine, integrative medicine, it kind of leads you down this whole route of what's the actual underlying cause of disease, as opposed to just being like, these are the pathophysiological issues and then treating the symptoms by managing the right. disease. And so that that shift kind of happened to me during medical school, uh, just because I came from a fitness background because I was a personal trainer before and I was into, <coughs> excuse me, bodybuilding and, and powerlifting. Uh, so I already had that kind of different perspective. And then it just became more and more, I would say, deepened after I finished my training because there's all these patients. I was a sports doctor initially, uh, so mm -hmm. like medical doctor and then specialized in sports medicine. And in, in sports medicine, we're obviously treating injuries and pain, working with a lot of athletes. Uh, but but then you're kind of like just doing cortisone, physio, and then surgery for a lot of them traditionally. Uh, but I was lucky because I, I was working with Dr. Anthony Gallia, who's kind of like the, the man when it comes to PRP injections, hence why I was on Fuwa's podcast, right. uh, and, and had all the different details about how to do PRP. Uh, but, you know, uh, Dr. Gallia has been doing that stuff for like 20 years, maybe almost 30 years now. And uh, and so it's kind of like, what's the next progression? And so that's how I got into this whole regenerative medicine world, because PRP is really the basic, basic stuff. But then there's so much more when you open the regenerative medicine box, you realize there's this whole umbrella of cell therapy, gene therapy, tissue engineering. And then now it's really about combining those. And so I think I, I think we're really the first ones in the world to really combine these approaches. And so obviously there's a lot of attention and excitement just because we're doing some unique things that no one else is doing and helping a lot of people that no one else is helping. So, so right. it's, uh, it's definitely really rewarding. So, but, but for you, because you're offering all these unique uh, treatments and therapies, it's, you're being limited a little bit in the Western world. And now you have to fly all over the world to kind of find the best stem cells and find um, other countries where you can offer these services. So, you know, in the process of doing that, like, where are you located now? Like, where can people find you besides the United States? Because <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, where's Waldo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have to basically go on my Instagram to see where I am, because I am traveling a, 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 a ludicrous amount. Uh, yeah. You know, and so the main practice jurisdictions is for US patients is Mexico, Los Cabos, and then we're, we're opening up in Bahamas probably sometime in the next 12 months. And then we also work in uh, parts of Europe, Switzerland, and then Dubai and Tokyo and Japan. So those are right. kind of the areas right now that I practice in. 
partly because it's where it's allowed and partly because I like those areas. And so at least for me, traveling to those areas is enjoyable. And right. and for most of my patients, they're, a lot of them are from the U.S. or Europe or so that those locations work out well. Uh, but the goal, the goal, I mean, obviously with all this stuff is to show the regulatory bodies that there's enough evidence to get them to approve it. However, having said that, I, I do think there is a lot of antiquated regulation around this stuff. And that's not just yeah. me saying it. That's just, I'm just being completely objective. If you look at something like Japan, a country that's very developed, has a regulatory framework, all this stuff, has been doing it for 10 years, then it kind of makes you question, why is this stuff still illegal in the US and in countries like the UK and Canada? And like you said, the Western world, like Australia as well. And a lot of these countries where it's like, you can't, you can't even touch this stuff. And they, it's, but, but then it, the way I look at it is if FDA really cared about people, they wouldn't allow them to eat stuff like Skittles and all these <laughs> pro-cancerous, oncogenic yeah. stuff in our environment. Let's just be honest. Like, and now True. It, it, we know, so if FDA really cared, they wouldn't allow this stuff that we know and the, the toxic burden. And like, I mean, it's just, anyway, there's, there's, I could go on, uh, there's a whole rant. I could go on about how, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, the, it, they just, there's so much stuff that they don't do properly when it comes to the food supply chain. Uh, and th that, that if they really cared about what people are putting in their bodies, they would regulate that stuff better. But so I don't think it's a, I, don't, I think it's just simply, unfortunately, a pharmaceutical based and surgical based industry. And there's lobbyists who want to make sure that this stuff doesn't become mainstream, but it's going to become mainstream. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I and so. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm <laughs> advocate for, you know, whatever you decide to do with your body, it's your responsibility and, and no governmental intervention should take place. As long as you do it informedly under, under guidance, then I, I'm not against it at all. And I see, like I was in the US for a month. I went to Swiss Symposium, the Mr. Olympia, I traveled, did a lot of podcasts. And I ate outside a lot of my meals, right? Albeit modified to the best of my abilities, right? Because I still want to follow a healthy lifestyle and get some protein in. And then I came back, I did my blood work before and after the United States. And this is trying to eat as healthy as possible. And all my metabolic markers were off. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I can't imagine living there and then eating outside multiple meals per day. Like general population, how bad their metabolic markers must be. And um, someone like you, to put it in context, you have a lot more resiliency because you already have muscle, which is yeah. protective mm -hmm. in of itself. You can leave a healthy lifestyle. So by resiliency, I mean your body has better adaptability to deal with the stressors that you're putting into it compared to the average person. So imagine what, what, what chances the average person have, right? We have a very obesogenic environment that's basically designed to make you fail. And yeah. so it's very challenging. And that's why... I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't really, I like, I get, I get that this, you know, this stuff is becoming really popular from like people uh, who are, you know, very loud about exercising and stuff like that in mainstream, like, but that stuff to me, unfortunately, is going to become almost near impossible to scale it unless you have a solution for people to build resiliency in their body to make that stuff actually more realistic so what i mean by yeah. that is like mm -hmm. for example like the gene therapies like what they do they can what they can do is they can make the exercise a lot more easier to stick to because they get you more benefits they give you more energy if you're if you're tired all the time from the food you're eating or you have chronic pain or you can't recover properly you're, it's gonna be really hard for you to stick to the gym uh so so yeah, that right. there, there's that started. big factor yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so let, let's get started with this gene therapy then. Like what, what does gene therapy entail? 
like are you literally administering genes so they have uh, you know increased uh, protein expression or, or like how does it yeah, work? Yeah, well, well, that's it. Yeah, so gene, gene therapy I think scares a lot of people because they're like, oh, are you modifying my genes? And so there are there's different like I would say let's say magnitudes of gene therapy. So for example, CRISPR gene editing technology is a much more invasive one. CRISPR has been around for over 10 years, but they finally got their first like actual approved therapy just in the last couple months. And it took them a long time because CRISPR is actually editing your genetics in a sense right. versus, and so obviously when you're editing your genetics, there's more risk. There's also something called offsite targets, which means CRISPR may edit something that it's not supposed to, which is obviously a little bit scary. And then, so there's, there's, there's things with it, right? Obviously CRISPR technology has improved a lot, but there's still that risk with it. So, and then there's something called viral vectors. Viral vectors have been around for a while. And viral gene therapies, the problem with them is sometimes you have to go on immunosuppressants. Uh, they're viruses. So that means that they can't, there's no reversibility to them because it's a virus. Uh, it's not something that could be repeated. And it's also can translocate and cause issues potentially. And that has happened. There has been case reports of that. So there are some risks with viruses. So, so what we have is very unique because it's called a plasmid. So a plasmid is just from a bacteria called E. coli, which mm -hmm. it basically we take out the plasmid from the cell and then we can use that as a vector to carry the gene of interest to transform the cell, to tell that cell to make more of this specific protein or peptide. Ah. So just kind of like you said, so increasing gene expression, but right. it's not actually changing your genome. So that's, so that's is that, the is key that, difference. Is that, is that messenger RNA then, or is it something else? No, it's just whatever we we could technically we technically could do MRI and we could and if in in theory we could probably make a safer and better vaccine than what Moderna and Pfizer have because they use <laughs> what's called a lipid nanoparticle vector, yeah. and the lipid is called and the lipid nanoparticle vector. The problem is that it now we know it's it's immunogenic in some people and it can have offsite targets. Hence, why some people had some weird reactions to the vaccine, and 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 I've seen that clinically. It's like why it's like if this is a like it was really, it's just as a physician, as a clinician, you obviously are like, okay, why are people having these weird reactions if it's, it's a very safe vaccine that this shouldn't happen? So once you dig into it a little bit, you realize it's because of the lipid nanoparticle vector. And also there's some issues with purification and there was something called DNA fragments left into the vaccine. And so, right. you know, and, and so anyway, that's a whole other topic. But basically with the plasmid vector, they're, they're, it's non-immunogenic. So it's not going to stimulate your immune system and there's no offsite targets. And the beauty of it is it's non-integrating. So it's called an episomal vector. So meaning it's not going to change your genome. And let's just say for whatever reason, you have a weird reaction. has never happened yet. We've done it for over 300 people now. Uh, you know, we're, pro we're probably getting into, we have like thousands of people waiting for it. So we're, we're you know, we're going to really scale up in the next few months. But basically, it hasn't caused any reactions in anyone as of yet. But let's just say for whatever reason, it does cause a reaction. It's because it's from E. coli, you can just take tetracycline uh, or doxycycline All right. and it's a kill switch. So meaning it will get it out of your body. So it's reversible. So that's why, so basically our kind of marketing or so to speak is kind of just saying that it's it's the world's first reversible plasmid gene therapy. Oh, okay, I understand. And how does this differ from a recombinant uh, growth hormone technology that also uses E. coli bacteria? 
Because I'm sure it's entirely different. I mean, both are used, E. coli are being used in both treatments, but it, it probably varies greatly. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, there's no, it's no plasmid vector in that. So that's still using the recombinant, yeah, recombinant DNA from the actual E. coli. So it's a little bit different. So the plasmid vector is what we have that no one else has. So that's kind of our proprietary technology. Ah, okay. So the plasmid—it's all about the plasmid. So the mini yeah, hence the name, the mini, hence the name mini circle. Because if you look at a plasmid under uh, microscopy, it, it looks like a little circle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so how how would a gene therapy entail? Let's say you want to improve somebody's uh, uh, cardiovascular and, and muscularity and overall health and energy levels. Like, how would this gene therapy kind of? Proceed. Like, what would the well? The I'm sure you've be? talked about peptides on your channel before, mm -hmm. right? And so a people, lot. yeah. So, <laughs> so people are familiar with. So probably your audience is somewhat familiar with peptides. So basically, instead of having to inject yourself with peptides every day, as people do, you can just we can encode whatever peptide we want onto our gene therapy, and it'll stay in your system for 18 to 24 months. So we can we can really do any target, yeah. And so the first one we did was wow. folostatin, but we can do mm -hmm. BPC, we can do TB4. Uh, we're going to do a GHK luteinizing hormone, so mm -hmm. which is basically an alternative to TRT. But these, all of these are essentially methods. So you could do one injection, subcutaneous or intramuscular, and it'll last for 18 to 24 months. So you don't have to keep on that's, injecting yourself. That's insane. That's insane. It is insane. It's, it's hard for people to appreciate how insane that is because... The, I appreciate it right. I appreciate it right now. Take my money because <laughs> I've, I, you know, I've been enhanced for like since I was 26 years old. So that's 14 years, 15 years. And I, I've done so many shots in my life. And I think the cumulative shots of my entire audience ranges into the billions. So if right. you can take a couple of shots away, it would yeah. be absolutely fantastic. So, so with this gene therapy, you can basically um, instruct the body to produce hormones you would otherwise need uh, or um, processes that you would otherwise need exogenous hormones for. So if you can have gene therapy regarding luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, then you would need not need exogenous LH or FSH in, in fertility protocols or for exactly. uh, hormone replacement therapy protocols. Now, would this gene therapy would give you something that's super physiological? To the point no, that you don't it, need it, a gram of test per, per week, like what the stupid bodybuilders <laughs> do, you know? <laughs> uh, well, actually, I guess I guess you could t theoretically do it. Obviously, we're not going to be doing it for that purposes. We're doing it for no, okay. uh, optimization. <laughs> so therapeutic, exactly. So although in theory, I guess we could we could manufacture it so that it could give you super physiological dosages, although we're not planning to do that at this moment. No, of course, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless, unless there's another guy like Peter Thiel who's willing to invest a little bit more for... Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, I think our th our products, I think, will be great for the enhanced games because yeah. polystatin, I mean, technically is on the water banned substance, but I don't think they there's you can't really test for it anyway. But but it, the reality is, this stuff is probably being used. I mean, even peptides in general are being used a lot, and they are banned technically. But like BPC one fifty seven, in my opinion, should not be banned. Like that is no. that is ridiculous. But just to give everyone context. The International Olympic Committee, the IOC, like they're always very antiquated. And in, in 2008 or 2009, when PRP was first becoming popular, they even banned PRP. Uh, and PRP is not enhancing at all. It's just to help with recovery and injury. Yeah. So they're just they're just very slow. And, and they're just honestly like they, they need to go. So I'm glad this is happening. And I hope, I hope they're 
I hope IOC goes out of business and this becomes the main I way think of, it's uh, going to happen very soon yeah. because I mean I met Dr. Aaron DeSouza here in Bangkok and I had a podcast with him and he's he's really on a mission and with the funding that he has now um I don't think the Olympics will be around for long great that's great for great for humanity yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree, and the same with IOC, and same for WADA. I mean, WADA has been public enemy number two, uh, besides taxes. Uh, exactly. WADA <laughs> basically enemy number any, two any, since since it started. that actually works, WADA just bans essentially. So, and and yeah. it's, and it's it's sad because now you're just the reason why I'm I, I have such a distaste for them is because you're treating your athletes like you don't care about their longevity, basically. Because mm-hmm. if you actually cared about their longevity, you would give them access to the stuff, and you'd want them to do anti-aging longevity and recovery stuff that's going to enhance performance, improve recovery, and ultimately de-age your body. Because the biggest thing that follistatin does that we showed in a clinical trial is de-aging, which means like looking at intrinsic biological age, it actually slows right. down the aging process and it even reverses it to a significant extent. You know, It ranges, but on average, like if you're over 60, it de-ages your body 11 years with one injection, which is pretty significant. Oh, wow. uh, but there's probably there is some debate about how accurate those testing those tests are, but even clinically, you see people have more energy, more strength because it's it's a myostatin inhibitor because follostatin has an antagonistic re- relationship with myostatin. So the higher your right. follostatin, the lower your myostatin. So by inhibiting myostatin, I'm sure bodybuilders know it can increase your ability to put on muscle. You're not going to blow up because we're not. It's not a knockout gene. It's not like mm-hmm. you're not going to become like those cows, but right. you will. But it can make it easier to put on muscle and. Uh, because of the metabolic improvements too, it can also help to lose fat easier. So I always, I kind of call it a body recomposition tool. Yeah, I, I agree. So I recently I, I reviewed ACE038 and ACE083. I'm not sure if that's the one that you're using. Um, those are undergoing clinical trials. And um, of course, one is a subcutaneous administration, one is intramuscular that shows uh, localized effects only, and it's rapidly inactivated in the bloodstream. Uh, and it, 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 the clinical evidence did look highly promising, uh, and that's the only one I reviewed because all the other ones are not really available. So, which which is the one that you're currently using? Because there's folostatin uh, variants. Yeah, we right? use folostatin three four four, and then okay, right. but it, but it, but it cleaves into three fourteen when it actually acts on the nucleus and alters okay. gene expression. So it's cleaving into that form. That's the one that we're using, and okay. it's very and it's been studied for a long time and. It's been around for a while, so it's very highly tissue specific. So it only affects skeletal muscle and not cardiac muscle, and uh, there's there doesn't seem to be any major risk with it. And that's the, part of the reason we chose this as a first target as well, the safety right. profile of folostatin. Yeah. Right, right. But so the, the one I, I investigated was ACE031 and ACE083, which I think it's combined with immunoglobulin IgG or Ig another one. Um, but uh, apparently you're using a different one. So, and the, this, the reason why 344 was chosen is because there's more clinical evidence and because it's safer. Yeah, the tissue specificity right. is the main reason. Yeah. Uh, so it's, and, and that's the big thing about this stuff is obviously you wanna make sure you're not doing any harm. And I think I, I can be very confident that this stuff is not gonna harm you. And mm-hmm. and, so, and, and the other big thing too, I, I think because a lot of people are like, you know, how do you know the results in like, let's say 10 years or 20 years won't cause anything. It's, well, I, I think you have to come back to first principles, which is basically if, if you're adding muscle to your body and you're decreasing systemic inflammation, those are the two two of the biggest drivers of aging and of why your body starts to deteriorate. So 
we can be pretty confident that we're not making anything worse by adding muscle to your body and decreasing inflammation. Exactly. Plus, plus, I mean, uh, uh, most of the performance enhancing drugs that we take in, in bodybuilding, right? Clenbuterol, steroids, growth hormone, IGF-1, insulin, they all proliferate some sort of heart enlargement anyway. So if we can replace those or lower the dosages, exactly. replace that with something like folistatin. And is this, do you literally inject folistatin or is this part of the gene therapy where the genes um, instruct the body to continuously yeah, no, produce we, folistatin so mix, 3 4, 4 So basically the process takes, I mean, for the actual patient, it takes like 20 seconds. It's just an injection, uh, just right. like a vaccine. But before they come in and we, we prepare it, it takes about 30 minutes. And the reason for that is because we mix a transfection agent with the actual folistatin uh, pro, uh, peptide. So the way we do that is we just mix two vials together and think of it as uh, a tumbleweed. You know those tumbleweeds that go through the desert? Yeah. Uh, and, and those like mixing with the paper bag. So imagine that paper bag is going through the tumbleweed and it mixes uh -huh. and, and it takes about 30 minutes for it to mix and transfect, so to speak. And then once mm -hmm. it's transfected, uh, then we could, then we administer it. So then we're administering. Okay. Yeah. And then that, that basically those are, that's the plasmid vector that has the instructions to tell your cell to make more folosat. Okay, so I, I completely reviewed the wrong compounds then. I might have to take that video offline. <laughs> Start looking at the folistatin 344 instead. And what about, there's there's a couple other compounds. I had to put them here on the side as my notes. There's Trevogrumup and Garotusumup. Let me, let me just put it here in, this, in the chat. There's a couple other ones which are active in inhibitors. Um, let me see. I can't put that in a private chat. Can you see that? The comment? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, the so, mono, so those are all monoclonal antibodies, obviously. So, right. So, I, I'm not huge fans of MABs, the whole class of them, because right. they can, again, they can have offsite targets. If you look at the literature of MABs, and that's why they can have, uh, they can have other unintended side effects. So right. I'm not a huge fan of MABs in general. So I, I, I don't it, like. We probably won't develop a gene therapy for that. Right, because I saw that they're undergoing clinical trials, but they're not available anywhere. So I didn't really do research on it because usually when I do a video about particular compounds, um, I would also would like people to, you know, see if they can use it themselves. But if it's not available, then it's kind of pointless yeah. to make a dedicated no, I, video. No, and I, you, you know, obviously there's there's going to be endless amounts of you know, clinical trials within the pharmaceutical world. But I really mm -hmm. think the way things are going, uh, there's going to be the cell and gene therapy stuff is going to just really outperform uh, pharmaceuticals. So, but that's why pharmaceutical companies are trying to get into this as well. But the problem is because they can't, it's, it's, it's tricky because just like with peptides, uh, unless you have a specific way to have a patented technology, then you can't you can't monetize it the same way. So that's why they're, you know, they're not as interested in it. Uh, and yeah, that's why, and, yeah. Right, and you saw recently that, I think only a couple of months ago, the article 503A or B, where they banned all those peptides in the United yeah, States. exactly. After they already banned ATG and labeling, and it's a biological, and now they've banned Oxandrin, although Oxandrolone is still available through the compounding pharmacies. I mean, it seems that it's getting more limited upon limited. And so it's like, why would you ban something that again, has such a low risk profile? And instead of again, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's good for people to just order it online and do it necessary. But why not create a little bit of regulation and have mm -hmm. a little bit of a framework so you can allow people to do it safely because com is, is compounding pharmacies were making it so they have high standards, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's not like people were necessarily just getting it off some random person off the street. 
And so right. you, you already had a system built in. All they had to do was create a little regulation around it. But the reason they banned it is obviously because of pharmaceutical companies. They're going to create a patented BPC-157 that's going to be some brand name. And then that way they, they can feed their ecosystem that way, their insurance companies and everyone can profit from it. Because right now they yeah. can't profit from it. So that I, I can almost guarantee you that's what's going to happen. Because, I mean, even trisepatide is a perfect example. Uh, so Monjuro, yeah. which is the second generation of Zempic, essentially is just trisepatide with like, you know, some complex added to it that doesn't really do anything, but it allows them to have a patented technology. So it's way more expensive than the trisepatide that you can order from like any peptide manufacturer, but it's yeah. basically doing the same thing. Yeah, and it's same with the retrotrutide that's now being developed, a GLP-1, GIP, and glucagon combination. And it's funny, when Terzepidite came out, I got it from my compounding pharmacy here in Thailand, uh, who are still, they're not under FDA regulation of the United States. They're under the Thai FDA regulation. Uh, so I can get Terzepidite, no problem. And then I looked into the pathways of GLP-1 and GIP, and I combined it with glucagon, which I got, obviously, from the black market. And that was even more of a game changer compared to regular terzepidide and semaglutide, which is just a glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that. But it's uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, of course, you know, with the patented formulas, the markup is so insane that that it's almost unavailable now. But, the, but what you said is so important, which is you basically take an amplified approach, which is you mm -hmm. amplify things so they work synergistically and they work together. Right. And that's the way we do a lot of our treatments too. It's And that's why, but it doesn't work in the traditional medical model where they're very reductionistic and they want to just say, oh, just do this one thing. And if this one thing is the way you're going to solve your problem and that's it. Mm -hmm. But that's not, you know, the human body, it, it's, it's much more complicated than that. And things work better when you stack them and we get way better outcomes that way. Even when, with a lot of our treatments, we're combining, you know, peptides and stem cells and gene therapy. And we're doing a lot of those for chronic complex diseases, but these is, but from a pharmaceutical industry, they can't, they can't, it's not like they can patent a protocol necessarily. So for them, it's like, there's no big money in it for them. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the lobbying and stuff, it just makes it, things even more complicated. So I, I completely understand why you're just abroad and offer services somewhere else, because uh, you got to go where you're treated best. And if, if well, medical tourism is going to boom. Uh, it, it's it's only a growing industry. I think people, mm -hmm. patients deserve access to the best treatment, and at the very least, they should. It, it, not, let's say they should at least deserve informed consent. They're not even getting informed consent anymore. And what I mean by mm -hmm. that is, like, you go to let's let's say you have knee, let's say you have osteoarthritis, and you go to your physician, and they're like, okay, these are your options: uh, cortisone injection. And then if that doesn't work, maybe hyaluronic acid, which is like a gel. And then if that doesn't work, then you can go do surgery. And that's pretty much it. And that's kind of the standard of care of model. And that's still what most guidelines recommend. And so you're not even giving patients access. You're not even giving them improper informed consent because you're not telling them what are the other options out there that actually yeah. are viable. Like it's like obviously like PRP, like stem cells, culture expanded stem cells, and now now we have gene edited stem cells, which we'll talk about, and like all this other stuff that's actually out there and, and is viable solutions. And and then the other big thing that bothers me is that they don't tell people the risk of the intervention of like cortisone either. So you're not getting proper informed consent because you're yeah. not even telling them that cortisone's chondrotoxic, which means it eats away at cartilage. And it's such it's such a it's such a sad thing to see because I see it in so many pro athletes and so many. So even if, if I say if pro athletes who have who are supposed to have access to like, you know, the best of the best, if, if they can't even get access to that, then what are the chances an average person has? Right. Because uh, yeah. I treat many 
I treat many pro athletes, and we're talking like the top athletes in the world, and they have to sneak. Be- they obviously don't tell their team doctors that they're coming to see me, but their team doctors are are essentially clowns. Like they they only know how to do surgery, uh, which is not a bad like. They're great surgeons. I'm not saying they're not amazing surgeons, but they just don't know anything about this field that's accelerating at an alarming pace, essentially. It's growing so fast. Yeah, preventative medicine will always, you know, be a little bit in the shadow of, of just doing the most invasive thing possible, it seems. And that, that's still a problem. It's it's with bodybuilding and it's with athletes and, you know, general health in general. It's it's yeah, it's very problematic, I would say. And hopefully at one point, you know, this will slowly phase into, you know, more awareness. And thank God for YouTube where we can actually talk about this stuff and, you know, inform a lot of people of alternatives. Well, I, th- um, I think, yeah, the problem is institutions have such a big control over this stuff. And the institution of pro sports is massive. So obviously the institution of NHL, NFL, uh, you know, NBA, all that stuff, it basically their institution is uh, essentially to feed this, the team doctors who are, or, who are surgeons and mm-hmm. keep that ecosystem going. So the surgeons aren't interested in regenerative medicine because yeah. it's going to take away from their bread and butter, which is right. how they make, you know, and that's, that's kind of their skill set. Their skill set is to cut. It's not to inject or to uh, prevent injuries and, uh, you know, enhance performance and longevity. They don't know anything about that stuff. So that's why I think it's a shame because people are like, oh, I go to the, t- I went to the team doctor for this team. So I'm, they must be a good doctor. It's like, well, it's not really. <laughs> they're a good doctor for s- surgery. But beyond that, like they're not a good doctor for if you're looking to enhance your performance or for longevity or for regenerative medicine, they don't really know anything. Right. Yeah, and luckily, luckily, the smart athletes, they usually find their way to a guy like you or me or somebody else who's very knowledgeable, and then we can kind of set them on the right track and just have to tell them, so, well, you have an injury, so maybe take yourself out of the testing pool for a while. And then you do what you have to do, and then once you're healed, you can uh, maybe, you know, six weeks from now when all the metabolites have cleared, you can enter back into the testing pool. And then if they do test you randomly uh, during the competition or off-season, then at least you, you know, uh, pass. Yeah, no, I, I think that stuff should be much more accessible and it shouldn't be something that's frowned upon because these athletes, it's 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 actually kind of sad for a lot of pro athletes because if they get injured, uh, it's kind of like one of my pro athletes, hockey players, he said it this way, it's like, it's like a train that keeps going and they just, you know, they kick you off the train and then they just keep going. And if so, they don't really oh, care. Right, right. Yeah, they don't really, you know, you're you're basically dispensable to them. Uh, and, the, and it's unfortunate because the ones who are benefiting the most are obviously the team owners who are the billionaires uh, or the really, really high net worth people. And the athletes are kind of just this disposable asset, uh, which is but they're the ones who are the ones who are actually bringing in all the revenue, obviously, uh, and generating all the interest. So it's it, to me, the athletes should be looked after at, like that, the utmost like importance and yeah, care. And it's 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 not fair to them, but it's. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think things are going to change slowly, especially with the enhanced game. So it'll yeah. be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I mean, Dr. Erdin Sosa is very caring about his athletes. So that is one of the reasons why I wanted to start it, because there's just too much drama, you know, too much corruption in the in the Olympics and, and even even in some of the bodybuilding federations. So at, at one point, you know, I think things will change and then hopefully the athletes right, will uh, come out on front and then that's even more good advertisement for services like yours or mine where we just are on the forefront of the latest developments and can offer alternatives based on you know what the, what the general medical community wants to recommend and tell them said listen maybe with gene therapy or bbc 157 or B- prp like you mentioned um we don't have to cut your knees off 
we can <laughs> we can just you know over the next couple of months we can heal you and then you're right back on the field for the next season exactly yeah yeah so what, what does this um, this stem cell gene therapy entail? What? Yeah, so 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 cell therapy. I like to call it cell therapy just because now stem cells is I would say a very uh, generic term, and I mean cell therapy mm -hmm. is a bit more generic too. But the reason cell therapy and not just stem cells is because there's so many different type of cell therapies now. Uh, and uh, so, for example, we're not just using stem cells. We're also using other type of cell therapies, for example, like like natural killer cells, like natural killer cells are part of your innate immune system. They help to kill cancer cells. So you can use them as form of immunotherapy, as an adjunctive therapy to radio uh, uh, like radio. Um, uh, like radioactive therapy and um, right. sorry, radiation therapy and chemotherapy. And then you can also use it as preventative immunotherapy just to boost your immune system. And then there's other cell therapies like dendritic cell therapies, which are antigen presenting cells. These are things they're doing in Japan to treat cancer, for example. Uh, but then there's obviously stem cell therapy too. Uh, and so cell therapy as a class is becoming more and more and more broad because there's different type of cell therapy. So now, right. so we have like natural kill cell therapy. We have dendritic cell. There's something called macrophage uh, therapy now as well. Oh, wow. uh, there's, something okay. called, there's something called CAR-T. Uh, CAR-T is actually available in Thailand. That's one of the few places you can get it. Uh, oh, really? CAR -T, yeah, CAR-T is, we're, we're in the process of manufacturing CAR-T, but uh, CAR-T is uh, essentially where you take your T cells out of your body using a pre- process called leukophoresis and you isolate those T cells which are part of your adaptive immune system and T cells there's there's something called cytotoxic T cells or killer T cells you can call them too which are to designed to help to kill cancer cells and so they can be used they can be they can be gene edited with this mm -hmm. antigen called chimeric antigen receptor or car so you enhance the T cells ability to hone in and kill cancer so they can do it for leukemia and different blood cancers. And so mm -hmm. basically for multiple myeloma, lymphoma, you can actually get patients into right. remission using the cell therapy. The problem is it's it's not covered by most insurance still and it's not accessible. It is FDA approved, so they've at least got that going, uh, but it's still super inaccessible. And so that's one of the reasons we're manufacturing it ourselves so we can make this accessible to people right. who are suffering from cancer and looking for alternatives. So, but back to the point, basically, it's not, so it's not, cell therapy is becoming a broad class. So there's all these different cell therapies, and it's only going to get broader as time goes on, and there's more development of more different cell therapies. Obviously, most people have heard about stem cells, but most people probably haven't heard the fact there's all these other cell therapies out there. That's why I like to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but stem cells are obviously the most popular form of cell therapy. And the reason is because there was a lot of excitement when they were first kind of isolated because of their regenerative potential, because stem cells have this innate ability to proliferate, which means they can divide and regrow new tissue, and they can turn into different types of tissue. So that's why there was so much excitement about them. But it turns out it's a lot more complicated than just, you know, putting in some stem cells and then hoping that they're going to regrow new tissue. That's it's not it's not that simple. Uh, and so there's a lot there's a lot of nuances to it. And but there's basically really two generation of stem cells. So the first generation is kind of what we're in right now and which is what most places are doing, which are generally derived from umbilical core stem cells. So where you're taking them from umbilical core tissue, you're isolating what are called the mesenchymal stem cells, which is from a certain, mesenchymal is just an embryological term, but it's just essentially, it's a certain cell lineage, meaning these mesenchymal stem cells can turn into 
cartilage, uh, tendon, bone, uh, there's, they have this, uh, what's called pluripotency effect. So they're called pluripotent stem cells. So meaning they can turn into these different cell lines and mesenchymal stem cells are the easiest to access. And that's the reason we use them because umbilical cord tissue is obviously pretty prevalent. Like it's easy to get. And you can also get mesenchymal stem cells from your fat. You can get them from your bone. You can get them from dental pulp. You can get them from all sorts of sources throughout your body. Dental pulp. Yeah, I know. There's even menstrual, even menstrual blood. There's if you look, there's menstrual blood, uh, mesenchymal stem cell papers out there. I know it's like it's just it's, there's so many interesting sources. But uh, uh, based off everything I've read, umbil- umbilical cord tissue is does seem to be the best source. Um, mm. But you also have to culture expand them, and that's the key difference. Which is you have to isolate them and you have to grow mm. them for a couple weeks, so you get the right dosage. If the dosage is not correct, then these cells won't do what they need to and that's the biggest problem in the u.s you if you google stem cell clinic in the u.s there's a there's like a hundred clinics in california florida all over and uh like i it's just it's just sad because obviously patients don't they don't know the difference right and they're just being told oh yeah you're getting stem cells well you're not really getting stem cells you're getting you're getting probably more like exosomes which are isolated from stem cells or they're not culture expanded they're kind of the soup that the stem cell grows and they still have anti-inflammatory cytokines but they don't have the same immunomodulatory and regenerative properties that culture expanded stem cells have. So, so that's, that's in a nutshell, kind of like the biggest, you know, the, so cell therapy and mesenchymal stem cells, what we're doing right now. Uh, and, and what we're doing most commonly, I would say are intravenous stem cells for anti-aging recovery because intravenous stem cells activate all these different pathways. They activate so I don't know if you're familiar with kind of, um, you know, David Sinclair's work and how the reason he got popular was something yeah, called and, mTOR. mTOR, yeah, mTOR nicotinamide riboside, and then you mm-hmm. wanted to get that uh, classified as a drug, and then I stopped Yeah, exactly. Following. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, he's he turned out not to be the best. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and a the lot po- of people are the, like... The pockets, so he wanted to, to have his pockets too deep, and then he went to the dark side. It's okay. Yeah. I can still get nicotinamide riboside <laughs> and nicotinamide mononucleotide. It's well, still NMN, I don't think I, I don't think NMN's any. That's a side tangent, but I think SS31 is way better, and there's other... Uh, you know, um, peptides and stuff that are really good for anti-aging. Oh yeah, Motsi, SS31, uh, NAD plus, uh, for, I to all of it. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's yeah. other things that are, I think are better anyway, but, uh, but again, he's a, he's a good marketer, but, uh, so back, so, uh, so, uh, with, um, mesenchymal stem cells and exosomes, when you do it intravenously, they activate sirtuins, they activate mm-hmm. MK pathway, they activate MAPK pathway, uh, so, and then they also have effects on inhibiting mTOR, um, which can help with uh, mitochondrial health and, uh, you know, reducing inflammation. There's all these hallmarks of aging. So there's basically like, ten, like let's say now there's 12 hallmarks of aging. Uh, before there was 10, but now they're saying there's about 12. And like, there's, it's, it's like genomic instability, mitochondrial dysfunction, autophagy, uh, chronic inflammation, gut dysbiosis, yeah, loss of proteostasis. There's all these things. So basically the point is, though, when you do these treatments, it turns out stem cells actually target pretty much all these different pathways and and all these different hallmarks of aging. And that's why it's really cool. So from a mechanistic level, they're doing all these amazing things. And then from a clinical level, there are clinical trials showing that it can help with frailty. It can help with biomarkers of aging. It's just the quality of the stem cells is the biggest issue. So how you manufacture them. And then for us, too, the big thing that I think we do differently is preparing your body for the stem cells. 
So basically, you want the body to be ready for that signaling because the way that the intravenous stem cells work more than anything is immunomodulation, which is meaning they're, they're it's called macrophage phenotyping. They're shifting the phenotype of how the macrophage express cytokines from M1 to M2. So shifting M1 to M2 is called polarization. And when you polarize the macrophages, it's essentially just changing the body from a pro-inflammatory cytokine profile to an anti-inflammatory cytokine profile. And that macrophage polarization is obviously going to have so many downstream effects because we all know inflammation is is tied in. So if you were to say what what the two biggest root causes of aging are, the, there's something called a unitary theory of aging. It's it's probably oxidative stress and inflammation, yep. and 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 that a lot of that comes from actually probably mitochondrial dysfunction and immune system dysfunction. So that's why I'm, keeping I'm so your mind- I'm so happy that you said that because I've been trying to hammer this into my audience for the last seven years. So I have like a mitochondrial deep dive video <laughs> and and how to combat inflammation from the performance enhancing drugs that we take. Um, and I've been trying to hammer it in these guys what to avoid because it is it is true inflammation and oxidative stress is probably the worst you can subject yourself to especially if it's chronic because if you have that for longer periods of time not only do you age faster but all the cardiovascular uh, issues start to arise from that. No, exactly. You have really good instincts, and you're very, you're obviously yeah, very knowledgeable. So that's great that you're educating your audience on that. So. So basically, by by doing these treatments systemically, that's that's what we're doing. And so, because a lot of people are like, "Oh, why would you do stem cells IV?" Like, what, you know, because a lot of them do get trapped in the lungs too. So, because mm-hmm. they get there's there's uh, they're not big enough to pass through the lungs. But despite that, even though like maybe only ten or twenty percent are going to circulate everywhere, there's still such an amazing benefit for aging, but also mm-hmm. for many chronic diseases and autoimmune conditions. So there's been clinical trials with inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, where patients actually go into remission. And I've obviously treated many patients with chronic complex diseases. And 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 the reason I think our results are better too, like I was saying, is the peptides that we use in, in addition to this stuff. Because if you think about it, the stem cells are trying to modulate the immune system. And how can we enhance that? Peptides, right? So that's where we do what we use during, before, during, and after. So trying to get the body ready for the stem cells because the stem cells work better if the microenvironment they're going into is less inflamed, there's right. less senescence. So we use we use like SS31, we use TB4, fragment one to four, uh, and then right. FOXO, mm-hmm. uh, FOXO4, DRI, which helps to clear senescent cells. So we kind of use those peptides before the procedure to get your body ready for the stem cells. And then during the procedure, we also use stem cell, uh, peptides IV. And then afterwards, we use BPC and CJC ipramorelin because they help with the immunomodulation and they help. Uh, CJC ipramorelin has actually been shown in vitro, at least, to in, to help with stem cell survivability. So, okay. so hence why hence why we use this kind of a combination approach. And I know I'm throwing a lot of jargon, but I think your audience can handle it. Because oh, they know all the yeah. they know all the abbreviations. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so, with, yeah, so, so quick yeah. tangent on the CJC one two nine five and ipramorelin. Is that with or without the drug affinity complex? Uh, uh, without. So, yeah. Without, okay, so that's a short acting, so that's probably multiple administrations. And part of the reasoning for a growth hormone secretagogue is the different isoforms of growth hormone, like the different molecular weights. Exactly, rates. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And plus, and plus, you're creating an environment that promotes healing. I think we all know yeah. that this secretagogue is very good for healing, hence why people use it for injuries and anti-aging yeah. and longevity too. I think it's there can be a very good argument to made to use this peptide three, four times a year. You cycle it uh, for longevity as well. Right. And the funny thing, I just did a BPC-157 deep dive. There's literally one clinical trial, which was 
got discontinued for whatever reason. I can't even find the publication. And one human study, which was retroactive to see if knee pain was resolved after BPC-157 administrations. And the other 180 studies have been mostly performed by Dr. Uh, Pedrak Sikaric, Sikaric from Croatia, showing all kinds of benefits. And one of them was that uh, BPC-157 increases growth hormone receptor density in fibroblasts of connective tissue. And then if they administered exogenous growth hormone alongside BPC-157, that the recovery was enhanced. So it, it makes complete logical sense that you combine BPC-157 with the growth hormones or gritagog because there is some overlap there. And, exactly. Uh, and, unfortunately, they work, and, and they amplify and they work synergistically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, great to hear. <laughs> great yeah, to no, hear it's, this kind it's, of stuff. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's. Uh, but I, 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 but I think I'm the only one in the world doing it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, so it's kind of like for sure. I, I haven't I, talked I, to anybody who actually yeah. really understands how all of this stuff connects because most guys would just hyper focus on one thing. Like again, like Dr. Priyadark Sikarik, for example, he's hyper focusing on BBC one five seven. He's the one who isolated exactly. it from gas. And that's a sil- and that's a problem with medicine. becomes It becomes very and these scientists and doctors are amazing. Thing, but they're very siloed and uh, I'm able to because because of I guess just my lens I'm able to take a step back and kind of look at it from a big picture which right. is why we have so much excitement from you know obviously like you know private equity and investors and all this stuff because you know the big money is interested in this stuff because there is a real application to the general population that's going to happen in the next two decades uh, yeah. and it's going to be a really big exciting revolution. So, and I'm hoping with the interventions that we're developing now that they're eventually one day will be covered by insurance companies, but that's probably due two decades oh, away, two decades oh, away, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's and my, you can uh, retire and you can buy your own Island in the Maldives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, so follow that. And just to, uh, on that note, we're, we're doing yeah. a phase two trial in Canada for sarcopenia. Uh, okay. so that's, so that's starting in, in the, in the spring and, yeah, I mean, the goal is to have this to be the world's first approved therapy for sarcopenia. And mm-hmm. sarcopenia, as you probably know, is an epidemic. Uh, I would argue probably uh, very under-recognized as compared to osteopenia or osteoporosis. So the more awareness there is, the, the better it's going to be for us because I think one day I could see and hopefully being prescribed and covered by insurance companies for sarcopenia. And that, wow. would be, um, that would be a huge revolution and also, uh, yeah, it'd be great for society, I think. I think, I think so too, yeah. Yeah, and of course, then the bodybuilders would leverage that right away. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I, every bodybuilder wants to do it already. It's just kind of expensive right now, but in a, yeah. if so, hopefully with time it will become better, more accessible. So, so yeah. what what kind of cost yeah. ranges are we talking about? Just to generalize it, right? Don't have to go into specific details, but what kind are like the cost ranges of some of these treatments? The, yeah, they range. Like the you know, if you're just getting a local injection for like a knee osteoarthritis or something, it might be like seven, eight thousand, but it can mm-hmm. range all the way up to like. 30, 35,000 if you're doing like the whole anti-aging package or protocol with everything, mm-hmm. with the peptides, stem cells, exosomes, gene therapy, and everything combined. So, so yeah, it ranges. And then if, uh, and then, yeah, we're adding more, like we have Clotho, uh, Clotho, I'm sure you know about Clotho. Clotho is an amazing peptide that's, I think has over 3,000 PubMed studies in, in terms of mm-hmm. mechanisms. And now there's a lot of trials on it too. And it's, it's, a, it's this big transmembrane pro, uh, protein and uh, 
or peptide. And basically, it can help protect against neurodegeneration, help protect against kidney disease. So I could see a lot of bodybuilders being interested in that too as a preventative yeah. measure. And uh, Clotho gene therapy will be out this year. So we're doing we're starting that clinical trial in March. Uh, oh, wow. But I'm excited. I'm excited for Clotho for myself, mainly for the brain enhancing effects and potentially right. to increase IQ. So we're going to measure we're going to measure IQ during the trial too, and we'll see if it improves IQ. It'll be pretty cool to see. I'm sure Brian Johnson will be on this right away. Oh yeah, yeah. He he wants to do Clotho right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're actually working with Brian Johnson, right? Yeah, yeah. He's our he's our. I mean, I work with That's many circles, great. so he's our patient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a he's That's a little great. bit. Uh, He's a little bit intense, but uh, he's obviously wants to do everything. So I, I love it though, because I mean, he obviously has the financial backing, and I think I would do the exact same thing because I've been interested in pharmacology since I don't know since I was sixteen years old. I just took a long time before I felt ready for it, and, and with all these treatments, I mean, it's exciting. You get to do a little bit of body modification, right, to look more youthful, but also become healthier and do anti aging. And I'd probably do the exact same thing if I had like five hundred million, if I was worth that much. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. I, I, just just as a full disclaimer, I don't think you need to spend two million dollars a year just to look young. No, I mean, you I think don't. you can do it for like five thousand dollars. Exactly. Some very basic health practices and and preventative. Again, if you follow the lifestyle, you don't need to put so much anti aging in place. Because Brian Johnson, on his own account, I mean, he was drinking a lot. Was a you know high level entrepreneur and and yeah, stress. Super Obviously, stressed. how did he be, how did he get to that high net worth? Right, he had to sacrifice family like he's divorced he's you, you know mm -hmm. he had to sacrifice his health he had to sacrifice probably sleep yeah. <laughs> and the stress that it takes on you right so you sacrifice a lot to get to that high net worth status but then now like then all these guys they realize and this is why i work with so many high net worth people is health as wealth, right like after you yeah. after you've you have all the money in the world but if you don't have your health and you don't have your relationships then what do you really have so not so much. That's why, I mean, uh, yeah, what, what, yeah. what point is the money if you don't have anybody to spend it with? Exactly. <laughs> you can't take it with you if you're dead. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's the part of the reason. And I think I, I mean, I probably get some criticism because of, you know just being working with all these uh, celebrities and high net worth people. But the only way this stuff is going to trickle down into mainstream society is if these people do it first. That's what happens yeah. with any new technology. If, if it has, to, if it first becomes popular amongst the elite, and then they they pave the way for the rest of society to be able to do it. So it's it is a, it's a to me it's a means to an end to be able to like I don't really I'm not really into that whole you know celebrity kind of worship like a culture that we live in but to me it's like it, people for whatever reason when they hear that I treat this person they they all get excited and they think that that adds more credibility to me so I'm like sure okay yeah sure uh, I mean it's, yeah. it's, on one hand it's good at marketing but the other hand what a lot of people don't understand like all these new therapies they cost money. Right. And in the beginning, new therapies are expensive. So who can afford it? Entrepreneurs, celebrities, high net, net worth individuals. Once it gets more popular and there's a lot of anecdotal reports, then, you know, and, and some competition, right? Competition for exactly. to bring the price exactly. down is always Capital good. It's not markets, good for yeah. the originators, but it's yeah. good to bring the price down. Once the price brings down, maybe five to 10 years later, then, you know, everybody else can use it. Um, unless, you know, the medical community artificially keeps the price up, like with Terzepidite and, you know. Well, that's what they do with pharmaceuticals on purpose, yeah. yeah. And, then, yeah. and yeah, so that's why, I mean, my goal with the stem cell stuff is as we transition, like we're going to have the second generation stem cells, uh, which we might as well talk about now, which are basically mm -hmm. what are called induced pluripotent stem cells or iPSCs. They're cell cellular reprogramming. So think mm -hmm. of it like, I like to think of it like a computer, you know, you can program 
uh, the computer to do some script and to make it, you know, to do things. Now you can program cells and you can program cells to kind of do what you want. So it's pretty cool uh, because umbilical cord stem cells, obviously we're not programming them. We're kind of just hoping they'll do what we want. And th that's why preparing the environment and doing all those things is so important. Uh, but there's still a lot of heterogeneity with the not only the donors, but also with the results in terms of like getting the consistent results that we want. Uh, it, it is it is getting better now, I find, with the protocols that we have. We can re reproducibly treat a lot of conditions, uh, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of conditions like, let's say, like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's uh, or a a ALS, like things like that, which we really don't have great treatments for. And I think this the second generation of stem cells are going to allow us to treat those much more effectively. As we've seen, there's a trial done this year with second generation stem cells. So, so basically what they do is they take a skin biopsy, they use something called Yamanaka factors. The Yamanaka factors are this professor from Japan who got a Nobel Prize for figuring out if you overexpress these four transcription factors. It basically, you take any somatic cell in your body, so you could take like a skin cell, a muscle, fat cell, and you can reprogram it into an embryonic stem cell state. Yeah, exactly. That should be wow. the reaction. That should be the reaction if you understand how Hol powerful that is. Holy <laughs> moly. And yeah. uh, what, what kind of surface area are we talking about? Is it a square centimeter or do you need to get a full graph of you know. No, you can just take a tiny little bit and then you can you can and then you can just literally you can take those cells and then you can grow them uh, and then you can create what's called an immortalized cell line or immortalized cell bank and then you just bank them and you can have an infinite amount right. of supply uh, take of these my fucking money. <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy because it's basically uh, it's, so that this is this is what's called uh, epigenetic reprogramming, which is right. you're reprogramming the cells to make them younger again. So how crazy is that? First of all, that your body even has a memory to do that. Uh, and second of all, how did he discover this? I have no idea. Uh, so he obviously deserves a Nobel somebody Prize. Somebody from the yeah, from the future. Somebody from the future <laughs> yeah, exactly. told him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this is so, what you need here, to put take, in. Take this. It will take <laughs> yeah. you ten years to develop, but at least you know, you're getting a head start. Yeah. So, so he definitely deserves a Nobel Prize for that. And wow. Uh, but then the issue with though, so let's, I like to call them Yamanaka stem cells instead of mm -hmm. induced pluripotent stem cells, just because I think people, it's easier to remember than iPSCs. So Yamanaka yeah, stem cells. Yeah, right. you give credit. So Yamanaka, so basically the problem though with Yamanaka stem cells is that because they're embryonic in nature, they have too much stemness, so they can grow into tumors. So no one can, so, so there's so there's some risk with that, obviously. So yeah. the technology that we have, we have a, we're working with a company uh, where we have exclusive licensing. Basically, they, we have a gene edit, so it pre prevents these Yamanaka stem cells from uncontrolled proliferation. So it has a kill switch built into it. So if the cells start mm -hmm. control, if the cells start growing uncontrollably or proliferating rapidly or uncontrollably, then it'll stop mm -hmm. the cells from replicating. So okay. we is have the safety the, mechanism. What is so these that, are called the, the gene protein, edited. It's a it's a, it's a gene. It's a it's a loci. It's a special loci. Uh, it's called Ralcyclovir. Okay. I think it's an antiviral uh, mechanistic basis. But okay. what it does is it basically stops the cell from growing. Uh, so okay. it's pretty it's pretty cool and. Basically, that gene edit. So these are called gene edited Yamanaka stem cells, essentially. Uh, so, and the cool thing about these gene edited Yamanaka stem cells, you can you can gene edit them in different ways. This is just one edit. You can also make them hypoimmune, uh, which is really cool too. Because even though umbilical cord stem cells are immunoprivileged, which means they don't have an HLA antigen, so they're not going to cause host graft versus host disease, but they still have MH MHC class one and class two. Uh, so there could still be a mismatch between MHC class, which mm -hmm. is a major histocompatibility complex. So that can so still trigger- So body might not accept it. It's, it's not that it won't accept it, it's that it'll cause your immune system to clear it out. 
And so, uh, right. so that basically you're not going to get, you're not going to get like an autoimmune reaction or something like that, but you just won't get the full benefits because your body cleared it out so quickly. And so mm-hmm. if you can make these cells hypoimmune and you can make them stick around longer, then you're obviously going to get more of the regenerative capacity. You're going to get more of the anti-inflammatory effects. Hence, this is the hot, hottest area of research right now in cell therapy which is basically like, how do we make these cells actually, how do we program to do what we want and how do we make them stick around longer so that they can actually regrow new tissue? And so that's why these Yamanaka stem cells are so powerful because they can be gene edited to be hypoimmune, they can be gene edited to not be not grow into tumors, and then you can also use something called hydrogel scaffold. So you can use a tissue engineering approach where they're embedded into these hydrogels, which are basically right. poly- polymer scaffolds, hyaluronic acid base, and you can essentially encapsulate them so they're protected from the immune system and they stick around longer and they can actually engraft. So this was shown in a very elegant clinical trial that was done by Blue Rock Therapeutics this year uh, for Parkinson's disease where they use these Yamanaka stem cells. They differentiate them into dopamine-producing neurons and then they transplant them into the cauteputamin in the brain. And basically, they were able to regrow new dopamine-producing neurons. And patients who had Parkinson's disease actually went into remission. So that Whoa. is the power of these cells. And that's why, I, I, how can you not be excited about that? <laughs> yeah, and if, if that's only one application. Of course, we're gonna do MS, yeah. we're gonna do Alzheimer's, we're gonna do, uh, we're planning to do diabetes for type one, type two, because we're gonna make beta islet cells, and then right. we can transplant them into the pancreas. So there's so many applications. There's just, it's just, you know, it's basically chronic, it, like hopefully this is really the beginning of the end of chronic disease. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, which I think and, it should be. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. And especially if the price comes down, then of course, you know, you can basically help everything within, within a couple decades. It will. Help everybody. Will, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think that something like Neuralink from um, uh, that's Elon just, Musk? I think that's purely for, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Theatrics. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so there's so, two, there two directions that humanity can go in, right? We can either live forever or we can turn into ourselves into machine bodies. And I think that Neuralink is like the, the earliest step where you can basically upload your brain and then the robotics will have to catch up. But it sounds that, you know, with gene editing, um, basically you can continuously regenerate the body with various treatments. Uh, yeah, well, what I envision what I envision is we can, we can use cell one day – we can use cellular reprogramming for the whole body. So we could just de-age right. all your organs and de-age everything in your body back to like when you were 20. I, I can see that, that happening. that also means that you're basically immortal now as long as the finances don't run out. I could see that happening in, in the next <laughs> 20 years, 23 years. In yeah. next 20, I'll be 60. <laughs> so oh, well, not too Altos, late. look like Alto's lab like let's look okay there's two companies there's one called Alto's lab uh mm-hmm. that's where pro, that's where professor yamanaka works now he was poached mm-hmm. but of course by the americans uh, by jeff bezos and he he took him and, oh. and and he got him to work for this company called Alto's lab that's doing secretive anti-aging research and i'm pretty sure they're working on some sort of immortality serum and so he's just gonna afford it he's already on yeah. trt so yeah exactly <laughs> But yeah, that's so, the next step. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure that's gonna. And then there's another company called Retro Sciences, which Sam Altman. Uh, he's Sam Altman's also an investor in our company, but he also invested into this company. But he invested a shitload, like 180 million. And no, a retro again, Retro Sciences is just their whole thing is based off these Yamanaka stem cells and trying to figure out if we can use them to reprogram the whole body and make you stay young forever. Uh, so. Oh. 
so there's massive amounts of money and billionaires investing into this. So this problem will be solved in our, in, I think, in our lifetimes. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean immortality. I don't I don't know about that, but I, I do think there's, there's going to be some massive extension of life and health and health span as well. An actual real reverse reversing of age, like you just mentioned, like taking twenty years off. Will that be like a yeah, cosmetic exactly. thing or an organ the, thing? The, or the, like the thing is, like we don't know. Like for example, with like the fall of statin, like yeah, we had some patients who took twenty years off their biological age, but we don't know if that necessarily means they'll live twenty years more. And uh, but I, I don't know if that really matters. What matters to me really is health span, which is like you're going to have more good years, or you're going to have more mm -hmm. years that you enjoy life. Like that to me right. is the most important thing. I don't think it's about living till 500. Or, I mean, I know there's some people who want that, but I just I, I think that's um, sounds cool. I think that's still a little bit sci-fi. I think that's still a little bit sci-fi. Like I, yeah. I just don't see that happening. Uh, but I, I do see us living maybe you know to 120s, 150s even, mm -hmm. uh, where but we're living a very good quality of life until the end. Uh, and that's that's what I see happening. So, what would be the difference, like for general population who follow an unhealthy lifestyle, but or, or they become multimillionaires because you know they they put so much into work, right, and they sacrifice their health in the process, taking twenty or twenty years off their biological age versus somebody who has been on point since he was fifteen years old or she was fifteen years old, eat healthy, exercise. Not, no smoking, no drinking, or once in a while, right? Somebody that's otherwise like perfectly healthy. What would be the difference for those people? No, definitely. There's a magnitude of effect. I would say the magnitude of effect in people who have accelerated aging definitely have a bigger impact. So because they their bodies are slowing down more, right? They have more age wear and tear. They 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 feel more aged, right? There's there's, there's people I ha I have patients in their 50s who still feel great, like they're in their 30s or 20s, right? And without mm -hmm. follistat and without stem cells, right. so for them the impact isn't going to be as big. They definitely have an impact still, like they still get more energy, more vitality, more strength. But they're looking more to delay the aging process. They want right. to stay. So they're doing, they're doing more for prevention, I would say. Whereas people. I have other patients in their 40s or even in the 30s who have really accelerated aging because they just didn't mm -hmm. take care of their body. And they're looking to reverse the reverse the clock, so to speak. And so for them, these, these impacts are these the impacts of these therapies are hugely beneficial right. because they're they're literally feel like they're 10 years younger. Or they literally say, like, like I think Ed Cohn, he said he feels, you know, 10 years younger. His yeah. his buddy his buddies who came down, they also, you know, a lot of them were in their 50s or 60s, and they said they felt like they're 10, 15 years younger. Like literally, this they say they feel like they, that that way. So, yeah, I remember. I, I remember talking with Ed Cohn after after your presentation at Swiss Symposium, and he was, and he was so happy about all the treatments that he did with you. And, yeah, and that's great so to we, see, right? That we, was we did anti-aging stuff. We fixed up his shoulders. But I think I think giving people just better quality of life is really is really rewarding in that sense. And I, yeah, and I hope I hope it becomes more affordable, so you know we can help more people ultimately. Uh, right. And it will happen. Like once we have these Yamanaka stem cells, uh, which we're going to have in the next, like definitely by the end of this year. Because mm -hmm. we already have the Yamanaka exosomes, uh, but we're you're going to get the stem cells soon. And basically, I can the umbilical cord stem cells will therefore become cheaper because now we have this new technology that'll be for the elite of the elite and then the umbilical core stem cells will be cheaper. And the umbilical core stem cells, like we talked about, are still beneficial and they can still mm -hmm. be helpful uh, and so and they'll become more affordable. Right. How about what would be the price range for the Yamanaka stem cell uh, or a cell? Uh, uh, it'll, it'll be like 75000 yeah, for an oh, IV. Oh, that's still doable. 
Yeah, it's I thought not, it would be uh, like several million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it'll be it'll be about seventy five thousand. Which yeah, yeah, it's actually there's a clinic in Thailand that actually charges that much just for IV umbilical cord stem cells. So oh yeah, they charge uh, way very, more here, but the, which the, is very the, the questionable. And their quality and their yeah, I, I just I find that odd. Like we charge. My, I mean, since we're talking about it anyway, we charge like you know fifteen to twenty five thousand for an mm. IV of stem cells, which is uh, I think reasonable for eighteen to twenty four months. And you know, it's, it's obviously not affordable for everyone, but for a lot of people, that's very affordable who are into this stuff. Yeah, that's 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 pretty doable. Mm. Yeah, that's that's like two Bitcoin right now. I can do that. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll patiently wait. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I remember at the Swiss Symposium, you meant something about gene therapy for the testicles, and that's one of the questions I asked you live there, and everybody laughed, of course. Like I've been off cycle <laughs> trying to get my wife pregnant. My fertility parameters came back beautifully. My total testosterone levels are like eight hundred twenty nanograms per deciliter, so I'm good. But you mentioned something about gene therapy that it could potentially increase natural testosterone production to let's say 2000 nanograms per deciliter. Yeah, that's, that so that's a luteinizing a, hormone, the mini circle. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have that available hopefully next year. Uh, and so basically you, it's just, it's LH. So basically you're, well, it'll be same, same, same technology injection in your arm. And then mm -hmm. the LH will go into your circulatory system. And I'm sure your audience knows once you have LH in your circulatory system, what that does to your body, and essentially just getting the dose, the dosing to the point where we're gonna we're gonna optimize it so you get into the upper two thirds of testosterone range because I yeah. think that's where you get the anti aging longevity benefits, and that's where most people feel good, and you're not gonna have any of the side effects that you get with super physiological dosages. Right, and, and you said the potential could be like a, a total testosterone of two thousand nanograms per deciliter. Yes, yeah, so you could go up to there. Yeah. So, so now you're putting all the TRT clinics out of business. Yes, that's going to be the plan. Yeah, because we're going to make this. We're going to make the price point for luteinizing hormone um, a couple thousand. So it's not going to. Are be you like, on the stock exchange? <laughs> uh, no, we've, we're going to stay private. We've been uh, we've been offered. I see. To be, I see a huge investment opportunity right here. Uh, we're very over. <laughs> we're over, very oversubscribed, and uh, we've sure. had, <laughs> so we don't. We don't. We definitely don't need more money. Uh, yeah. I, I could. I could. I could. Like. I, and I'm not being facetious here, but I could see us having a market cap. Uh, eventually, we're not going to probably go. We'll say private because we just don't need to go public. But uh, right. bigger than CRISPR one day, and CRISPR CRISPR is worth about a hundred billion. So I, I could see. I could see MiniCircle being worth more than that in in the next. Um, Definitely in the next 10 years, yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, because, I mean, and that's one injection. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Insane. I got I to gotta change profession then. <laughs> no, you're no. really, because you're, you're putting an entire, like if that's successful and, and, and popular, then you're literally putting an entire field out of business. Yeah, disruptive technology is always it's disruptive for a reason. It's gonna. No, I'm, I'm I'm all for it, man. I mean, I'm the, the whole reason for my YouTube channel is just to improve quality of life through any means necessary, right? Whether that's steroids or gene therapy, I don't really care. <laughs> I yeah. don't really care. As long as people get out on top and they stay healthy in the process, I'm all for it. But yeah, I, I could see that being a huge upset, and there there might be some resistance there. Well, there's a lot, a, and there's already negative press. Uh, if you Google Mini Circle, Bloomberg, and NY Post, uh, basically oh. called call us uh, called us crazy. Nobody cares crazy about Bloomberg jobs. and all those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's a, uh, but that's I mean that's a, that's the world we live in, right? I think mm. I always I, I you know I always talk about Tesla because I was an early investor in Tesla, and I'm a mm. huge fan of Tesla because of the fact that they made EVs mainstream. But when in in, in the peak 
of when Tesla was trying to do what they were doing, they almost went out of business. They were actually like literally one quarter, they had no cash mm-hmm. flow and their, yeah. their, their stock was the most heavily shorted stock in history. Um, it was more than 33% shorted, which means the big hedge funds and everyone was betting that they're going to go out of business. And so they can't raise cash easily. And the reason they were doing this is because big oil obviously wanted them to go out of bankrupt and, and go out of business. And then uh, every hedge fund manager, every top top hedge fund person, you know, all the people who are supposed to know everything about money were telling you to sell Tesla, sell, sell, they're going to go out of business. And then lo and behold, <clears throat> a couple of years later, there's a short squeeze and they tend, they tend to 20 X. Yeah. They had stock, a huge, right? huge recovery. Yeah. yeah. Huge and so, recovery. so that to me is just, it just, and because I was in that journey and I was in the thick of it, cause I invested all my money in Tesla. So I remember, you know, I was literally, nice. yeah. So I was high risk, high reward. It obviously paid off, but, uh, yeah. but basically because I, I, I was there firsthand, I saw how mainstream media can manipulate the narrative very easily. It, what the right is, yeah. is, is, is very easy for them to manufacture stories, and you can see this. You can see how they can manipulate it. So Tesla was a perfect example because the media wanted them to go. The media, who obviously is incentivized by big oil, was incentivized to run all these stories talking about how negative Tesla is and how it's going to go out of business. They were never talking about the potential of EVs or how how Tesla is creating this new technology or how they're paving the way for a better future for humanity and all this other stuff. They're just talking about their numbers and how they're going to go out of business and all this stuff, you know? So, uh, so I think with what we're doing, it's very similar because we're trying to disrupt uh, entire industries and there's always going to be negative press and negative, uh, you know, kind of pressure to keep this Mm -hmm. stuff under wraps as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the Western world where it's not really recognized yet. That's okay. It's okay. I mean, Doesn't matter. The enhanced games, the enhanced games, yeah. the medical tourism is uh, the stuff is gonna. It's already becoming, I would say, somewhat uh, mainstream now. Like almost, mm. I, I would say, people's knowledge base of stem cells has grown exponentially in the last few years because yeah. it just it just seems like so many people, patients of mine, are like, oh, like I've been thinking about stem cells for a few years, but then I saw you on X podcast or I googled blue, blah blah blah, and then they're like, right. that's what they just they just needed someone they trust to actually do it with. And, well, and, and, and explain it like you do because you're you're great at explaining how everything works. And of course, you know we we all heard about stem cells probably on Joe Rogan the first exactly, time. Yeah. Most of the people, and then you know Joe Rogan knows about it and has done several treatments himself. But actually talking to a doctor who's on the forefront of all these development, I mean it's it's eye opening, dude. What you just told me, I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't no, exactly. Even know where this far. Exactly, it's about uh, credibility and then building a brand that actually, you know, it's it's not just about. Uh, uh, about safety, but it's about efficacy and making sure people get good results. Uh, mm-hmm. So that to me is what matters the most, and which is why I'm continuously trying to innovate. The problem with uh, Joe and a lot of his, his places that he's, he recommends to people, they're not really innovating. They've been doing the same things forever, and they don't have anything new. I'm not saying umbilical core stem cells are bad, but I'm just, like we talked about, there is still MHC mismatch, and they're not ideal for like a lot of people. So there is better technology with the Yamanaka stuff. And as far as I know, we're the only ones who are going to have that. And um, Just keep doing what you're you know, doing, and eventually yeah. you'll you'll be able to tell Joe in person. Yeah, I think it's uh, soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, treated- I don't think it's going to take too long. I mean, you've been on Jordan Peterson, and and uh, Derek also went there, by the way. Derek more bloods more dead. He just went on his uh, podcast, so it's on Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah, last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so it's another Canadian. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the forefront of the pharmacology. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and he's been on Joe Rogan like three times, and I'm sure Derek will watch this podcast. Right, Derek, I know you're watching. Um, <laughs> so, so there might be an in already. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've had quite a few people who've uh, 
who who uh, recommended me to him. But uh, so sooner or later. Yeah. But it's more about. I mean, that for me is again just a just an outlet to reach more people. Not that right. we need to reach more people. We're a bit overwhelmed as it is. But it's more about uh, it's more about raising awareness and giving hope to people who, who think there's no hope for their chronic illnesses and disease. Uh, but also yeah. for your audience, it's obviously about performance and longevity and giving them the best the best actual biohacking. Like when I went on Dave Asprey's podcast, he mm-hmm. kind of said he's been waiting for this moment for nine years or something like that, which was because basically he's been waiting for the real biohacking. Like, cause right. like you know, like we talked about, like cold plunges, breathing, like, you know, all this stuff is great, but it's, it's just it's it's, surface. It moves in, it's just, exactly. Very surface. Exactly. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. These things are microscopic compared to what yeah. salad and gene therapy can do. So it, it's it's so this is a real biohacking. And now we're in that real era. So it's very exciting. Yeah, so bulletproof coffee and Adderall and Modafinil—that's kind of joke. No, so so to reiterate this, like I th- I do think that a healthy lifestyle, intermittent fasting, and cold plunges are a great way to kind of manage yourself and stay healthy, um, and that gives people some time to build up finances. And when the moment does come that they need gene therapy, then the finances are also there. Right? I, I, I'll be try to hammer into my audience that whatever you spend on performance enhancing drugs. Put the same money in a savings account, like you just mentioned, Tesla, right? An appreciating savings account in the form of stock, bonds, assets, cryptocurrency, whatever. So by the time come you have a medical emergency or you want to do something medically, then the money is there. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it and, makes, and then, makes total then sense. a treatment of seven thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, it's actually feasible. Yeah. You know? No, I, I think there definitely has to be a little shift in uh priorities and especially in the Western world where people um, you know, monetarily, there's a definitely a, a very high consumer uh, spending on just uh, frivolous things, and uh, uh-huh. people don't necessarily save or care, save or think about their health. Uh, but right. I think that is shifting, and it's only, and that's hence why, hence why this whole longevity uh, field is kind of blowing up, and there's a massive amount of uh, money going into it because yep. I think I think people kind of know that this is going into Gen Pop now. And as Gen Pop goes into longevity and healthy living, then it's like there's obviously a lot of money to be made, but then there's also a lot of exploitation and predatory people. Uh, so you have to be careful because, you know, you and me, yeah. we, we both come from the bodybuilding world. So I think we have a very different lens because we, are, we already know kind of we've seen the fitness industry and how how uh, stupid it can be with so many things and how, you know, gimmicky, how many gimmicky it can be, how, how much fake stuff there is, how much people yeah. lie. Uh, so it's going to be the same problem with this whole longevity thing now is going to gen pop. There's going to be so many nonsense things out there. And then it's going to be over time. You'll see what really sticks around and what, you know, in, in the, in five, 10 years, I think we'll have a better idea. Uh, and I think it will, it will definitely be a, at least with uh, cell and gene therapy, I think it'll be a winner takes all and there'll be a few smaller companies, but I think mm-hmm. there'll be a few, just a few dominant, like, no, especially like, if you're on the, yeah. like, if you're on the forefront and you've been on the forefront for a decade or longer, then, then who's going to compete with you? I mean, or, or they really have to throw money at it and poach all of your, uh, you know, scientists, but yeah. you know, there's loyalty yeah. involved also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, especially if you treat your staff right, then why would they leave? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, no, we've uh, we're 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 making it so that all our employees get access to our gene therapies after one or two years of working for us. So, <laughs> so they'll never want to leave. You really, so wait, leave. you really want me want to make me invest now? <laughs> <laughs> or, you can come work okay. with, or you can come work with us as an advisor. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. That's only time. <laughs> hey, so you. You're, you're flying all over the world. 
Like, what does your schedule look like right now? What kind of treatments are you doing on yourself to kind of make all of that uh, doable? Because, like, if you're if you're traveling all over the world, you're probably sleeping out of hotels. You probably don't own much. Yeah, I'm in a hotel right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm all. It's. Uh, I think. I think the the big ones I'm doing. Obviously, I've done all the anti statin. I've done IV stem cells. I do IV exosomes every couple of months on myself. Um, I think if you have the means to doing IV exosomes every three to six months is great. Uh, is, but again, it's, if you had this is just some for people who basically have unlimited budget because you. I mean, it's expensive, but it is. Uh, it's one of those things that exosomes again. Uh, they don't last as long as stem cells, but they have. They target all those different hallmarks of aging that we talked about, and. Then the other thing that I found uh, beneficial for me, at least, uh, that I just started really using lately, I don't know if you've heard of this company called Flow, F-L-O-W, and they have this um, psilocybin-based product uh, ah. with, a few, with, lion's mane, with lion's mane and a few other nootropics in it, and I really yeah. like it. Yeah, it just helps with uh, focus, concentration, and uh, helps uh, to keep me going, and uh, yeah, mm. so I, I like that, and I think that those are maybe some of the uh, things, but then it's honestly, the foundation is a foundation, like... Right. Uh, I never, I always f- try to find time, even if I'm traveling, to do res- heavy resistance training, uh, he- heavy, intense resistance training. There is no, uh, there is no replacement for that. Uh, periodization okay. and knowing how to train properly is still the key uh, kind of foundation to longevity and health. But uh, people, yeah, the problem is there's, again, there's so much noise out there and a lot of people just don't know how to periodize and how to actually do progressive training and all that stuff. Right. I mean, the basics need to be in place. And especially if you have a bodybuilding background, I mean, the diet is probably still similar and the training is still similar, but now you're flying all over the place. And then hopefully you're flying business, right? You've earned that. (laughs) Yes. You've earned that. Yeah, no, but there is, uh, there are studies on, you know, flying does stimulate a lot of oxidative stress in your body. So one of the devices. Inflammation also. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I'm, I'm getting is, um, nano V. I don't know if you've heard of that device. It's basically inhaled, um, molecular oxygen and hydrogen, and it goes to help to reduce oxidative stress in the mitochondria. Okay. Uh, It's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the devices I'll be getting and hoping to help with some of the oxidative stress. And I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm accumulating, but then IV exosomes, then that's why I, obviously I like doing IV exosomes and stuff too, because they combat oxidative stress as well. So you're, you're the first, basically the first um, high level entrepreneur that is making good money that can actually prevent the damage of what high, high level entrepreneurship <laughs> yeah, entails. It's true. It's true. That's why, that's why I think I'm in this very interesting position because I, I, I because people see me and they're like, Oh, he's doing all this stuff. I want to do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of my patients are just like, what do you do? I want to do everything you're doing. Like the ones who obviously have the means to do it. Yeah. yeah. So same as my, my, my clients, they come to me and say, Steve, I want to do this stack and this and that. And, and of course you can guide them. I mean, I, I do stuff on myself first before yeah. I would recommend them to people just to make sure that all the kinks are worked out and see what actually works and what doesn't. Um, and then you go through the comment section like six months later and you realize like you really change people's lives with yeah, that no, kind of amazing. information or treatment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And those are, those are low hanging fruit. Obviously the stuff I'm doing is obviously the next level up. If, 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 if yeah. you've kind of mastered the basics, like you said, you, you have like the, you, you've done like the peptides, you've done the basic stuff to just, uh, kind of optimize your body. Then you're looking for mm-hmm. something more Then this is the next level up. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, so far, that's only available in Mexico, uh, Dubai, and Switzerland and Japan. 
Yes, that's where the places we're doing it. I mean, there are other countries like Thailand, like we said, Thailand offers mm -hmm. it too. But uh, there, I, I can tell you when I was in Japan, uh, we treated the Minister of Health from Thailand. And there was a reason they're not doing the stem cells in Thailand. So, oh, I know. Uh, I know. I so, talked to yeah. some of these people here. They're like, no, no, we're going we're gonna to go to Dubai or, or somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So it's quality, right? It's how you manufacture them. And you just, I wouldn't... Uh, I think you gotta be careful where you go because you can you can definitely go to places in Mexico, Colombia, all over. And but the question, the quality, and and then the protocols are important too, right? Like understanding how the peptides come into that and uh, all that stuff is important. I think. Yeah, I mean the interplay in in pharmacology, right? And and, and exactly. the synergy between so that's poorly understood, and that's something I always struggled with. Not the knowledge, but struggled with the rest of the fitness industry. They understand how to do research on a particular compound, but not the synergy between and. Once you do understand that and also realize that, you know, there's so many metabolic pathways that you have to think about because some inhibit particular pathways and some stimulate that. Right? <clears throat> so if you do understand that, um, then you can really make some differences and you don't have to do crazy dosages or crazy protocols to really get the job. No, exactly. I, Chris, Diff, Chris Duffin calls it the amplified approach and which I like amplification. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's basically what it is, which is it makes total sense. And that, that's the way I like to practice. Right. What's uh, what's next over the over the last over the next couple of years regarding the enhancement of sports in general? Um, not, not necessarily bodybuilding, but what kind of treatments can we look forward to to um, start breaking some records? Obviously, it's off label; it's not for medical <laughs> purposes. Uh, but now with the enhanced games. Um, that it might be some practical application for particular treatments. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you're probably more of an expert on this than I am when it comes to how to enhance people. But yeah. so it'd be interesting. You, you should definitely become a consultant to the games, <laughs> the enhanced yeah. games. And then uh, what I can, from a, at least as a physician, uh, I, I can see people wanting to do the IV, the, the IV stem cells because IV stem cells, at least by major sports leagues right now, is considered doping. Uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy to me, but it's not really, I mean, again, you can't detect it anyway, but so there are obviously athletes to do it, but, uh, but the same thing with the gene therapy, like I can see if you're, if you're in the enhanced games, I, I mean, and you want to win, I, why wouldn't you do the follow statin? I could, <laughs> you know what I mean? I could see everyone wanting to do that, uh, just because it also increases neurological drive, uh, which right. means it just makes your uh, muscles activate better. And like, it's very interesting the way you feel on it. And, um, Devin, Devin Laurette, who's a world champion arm wrestler. Right. He had, uh, he gave me a shout out when he won because he, uh, oh, really? he actually, okay. yeah, he, he was like, thank you, Dr. Cog. I was like, Oh, <laughs> uh, just because he, he was, he was, you know, he was kind of, he was having some aches and pains and he was really, um, slowing down a bit cause he is 48 and, yeah. uh, the fall, the well, fall well, status. Yeah, and the fall statin said he said it made him feel like twenty years younger. He had a, he was obviously a little bit of a hyper responder, I would say, but uh, but you know he he felt incredible. So we're doing full uh, genome sequencing and a bunch of tests on him to figure out why he responded so well to it. But ah, so that's a, that's a test subject. <laughs> yeah, what's yes. going on? Yeah. yeah, because it was, it was a, yeah he, he had a crazy response to it and he felt great and he he obviously won the uh, number one world champion again. Oh, wow. Yeah, but of course, he has a lot of wear and tear because he's doing arm wrestling and, and you know, heavy lifting and that kind of stuff for decades now. So, and, and, and same with Ed Cohn. I mean, he said, you know, world records decades ago. So there's a lot of wear and tear there. So I'm sure that there's such a dramatic change because even though those guys might be like healthy, the joints, connective tissue and all that stuff, right, that might be a little bit uh, impaired by that age. Yeah, exactly. You start getting chronic inflammation, right? And that's really mm -hmm. what starts to cause the pain cycle. Because right. 
we know that the correlation between imaging and pain is poor. So there's people who mm-hmm. have advanced bone-on-bone osteoarthritis and have no pain. And there's people who have mild osteoarthritis and have severe pain. So if we know that, then it's like, okay, what's the actual cause of pain? It, it's, it's chronic inflammation, it's bone edema, and it's, bio, and it's biomechanics. So that's really where it comes from. Um, sorry, someone's knocking at my door, so probably going to have to edit. So earlier on, you mentioned uh, briefly about SS31 and, and MOTC. Um, how are those being used currently? And what do you see like are, are the, the real practical applications of these kinds of peptides in combination with stem cell treatment regarding like, you know, mitochondrial function? Because that's still poorly understood, but it, it kind of regulates everything. It is. Yeah, exactly. And you have you obviously have very good intuition because the research as is coming out in the last few years, especially in the last couple of years, like the last two years, really, the mitochondria are really coming out to be probably one of the pivotal roles in chronic disease and obviously in aging, which is the most complex form of chronic disease, which is why aging fascinates me so much. I'm not really fascinated by aging because I want to make rich people live forever. I could care less (laughs) about that, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by aging because I think it gives us, if we, if we can solve uh, aging, even in, 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 uh, uh, not completely, but in many ways, then it can help many chronic diseases because it turns out the, the 12 hallmarks of aging are actually the same underlying cellular dysfunctions that happen in almost all chronic diseases, whether that's heart disease, uh, that's dementia, that's diabetes. Like it's the same, it's the same underlying uh, hallmarks. And so that's what makes it so interesting. So if these underlying hallmarks are actually the root cause, then we can actually treat the root cause as opposed to just treating the surface level. So that that's why I like that's why I like this whole field so much. And SS31, what it does is it helps to protect the mitochondria from oxidative stress. So the mitochondria have something called the mitochondrial inner membrane. Uh, MIM, and it's basically where the electron electron transport chain, uh, where the ATP is made, where you have these uh, ion gradients, and in there, that's what over time produces reactive oxygen species, ROS. And those ROS, there's a balance, just like in most things in your body, there's a homeostasis. You don't want too much, you don't want too little, uh, and you need the right balance for your body to be able to kind of function optimally. And so what happens to most people as you age is your ability to deal with that ROS becomes less and less. And so these ROS build up. And then when those ROS build up, that triggers the peroxisome to be not be able to deal with it. And so you get something called oxidative stress. And then that oxidative stress is what leads to all these other downstream effects. And that's why I th- and, and like including chronic inflammation. And then <clears throat> all the other hallmarks of aging go from there. Right. So that's why the leading theory, I think, on this is what we talked about earlier is that unitary theory of aging, which we think a lot of it comes down to this This really maybe potentially as a root cause. So if we can keep your mitochondria healthy, I think we can help keep your body healthy in a lot of ways. It's not the only factor, but it's the one of the most important factors, which no one measures, obviously. Like GPs are, I mean, GPs are just a lost cause. They're, you know, they, they don't understand anything about, unfortunately, it's just, it's not it's their true. fault. They're, they're just, they, they just don't, don't, know, under, they don't, they they don't know, know what they don't know. And they, they don't know anything about, um, so they don't know anything about biochemistry and, and the, they only know about the, the drugs and how they work and their education is so poor. Uh, but anyway, so uh, there are companies out there that are doing meta, 
you know, metabolomics, which measure like, you know, thousands of different metabolites from mitochondria. So you can get, you can gauge your mitochondrial health. But I, I, I don't really see huge value in those because again, like we can probably discern that you're, you you know, as you age, we kind of know it's not going to change management. Everyone can probably use some support for their mitochondria as they right. age. And it's, it's something as, as a gestalt, I think that can be re- as a as a blanket recommendation as a good idea. Hence, why NMN became popular because NMN mm-hmm. supports the mitochondria because it helps with NAD, which right, is NAD a pre plus levels. Yeah, yeah, which is a pre which is an intermediary which helps with uh, you know um, with energy production and everything. But right. the problem is there's actually studies showing that NMN may accelerate sclerosis in the kidneys and actually help and actually make things worse in the kidneys and and oxidative stress and. Uh, no, so, I so I, I don't, that. yeah, exactly. Sure. So that, that there's a, that paper came out last year. Um, okay. and so I'm not, I'm not totally convinced about NMN, uh, as, as many people just because of one guy. Uh, so it's, uh, I still like I, it though. I still like it, but it's in combination with NAD plus IV every week. Or you have to combine it with SS31, I would say. Uh, yeah, I've, I've run SS31 for about two weeks, uh, but of course the price is quite high and I did not notice an immediate positive effect. And this is coming from a compounding pharmacy, so I, I discontinued it. I, I ran a lot of MOD-C, which is the the peptide that helps with uh, mitochondrial signaling. Um, but SS31, I didn't notice much. But again, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a very good state of health. Yeah, and, I don't think SS31 optimized. is going to give you performance benefits. Um, right. I think it's more just for... The mechanistically is going to have that protective mechanism uh, for oxidative stress, and it's going to have. Right. How, and the only way to measure it, I think, would be like a cellular aging test, uh, which right. the company we're working with is called Generation Lab. It'll be coming out soon. Uh, they're a Harvard group. Uh, they have, I think, the best technology when it comes to aging. It measures something called biological noise. Other mm-hmm. than that, most of the aging tests are garbage. They're just uh, yeah. very, very yeah. not valid, and there's so much variability. But, uh, but anyway, so the point is, if you want to, if you want to see if SS31 is actually having an impact, that's probably one way to measure it. Right. Uh, other, other than that, mechanistically speaking, though, the study I was talking about, when they combined SS31 with NMN, uh, mm-hmm. they it it, it it didn't have that uh, deleterious effect that NMN had on its own. So ah, SS31 okay. probably has some sort of protective and synergistic like mechanism with NMN. So I think if you're going to take NMN, I would recommend probably cycling with SS31 as well. Uh, but to your point about um, if you want to actually see some sort of clinical benefits, uh, I would say MOTC is definitely going to give you more of that because it can improve yeah. cardiovascular fitness and function. I've used it yeah. with pro athletes. I've used it myself uh, to help with respiratory function and CV fitness and basically like you said, it helps with mitochondrial signaling, uh, which can help with cardiovascular fitness and output and just increasing your VO2 max, which is really obviously going to have all these other great, uh, we know VO2 max is obviously a great way to gauge your health. And so it's going to be a good thing for your body if you're going to use MOTC. Uh, And again, it's something you can cycle or you can use even, I mean, there could be maybe an argument made, but maybe using it indefinitely, but I think cycling with peptides in general, at least with certain peptides is best. Um, Yeah. And uh, and but, but yeah, Matsi, I think doing that uh, it can be very beneficial for cardiovascular fitness, and uh, I think improving. Uh, I think you know, for us, if we can create the ultimate biohacking car- fitness package, Matsi would be probably part of that with yeah, follow sta- with follow statin, and uh, probably we're gonna have FMT, uh, which is gonna be our second generation uh, fecal microbial transplant. Mm-hmm. Is essentially gonna be one of the donors. Uh, that we're going to have our uh, there's uh, there's Olympic athletes who have been found to have this bifidobacterium called OLP01, and when you mm-hmm. transplant it into regular people, it actually increases cardiovascular fitness. 
So microbes can play a role in cardiovascular fitness too. So that's another way to biohack your body to improve cardiovascular health and fitness so, uh, without uh, so, so when they yeah. retire, they literally turn to a poop factory and they can yes, sell. Yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> literally. So, hey, at so, least at least you got your, you know, when you retire, you got everything set up already yeah. financially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but how That's how good. cool is that? You could take someone else's microbes that can improve just just from the microbes alone can improve your cardiovascular fitness. So, yeah, I mean, I heard about stool transplants in some individuals that improve their cognitive abilities and their overall uh, mental health because they get the bacteria to contribute to serotonin, five HTP production, and dopamine. Which which, you know, some of the neurotransmitters are pre being produced in the intestinal tract. Um, so, so you notice that there's some sort of benefit there, but if, if it can improve performance, wow. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Lot of, a, lot of, a lot of stuff that I'm very, very excited for. Well, what about 5-amino-1-MQ? Have you ever looked into that? The I know I know about it, but I haven't I haven't done a deep dive into it. I, I don't. You've probably have done. Have you done a deep dive? <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, I even yeah. talked to the researchers because I reviewed their studies, and then some of them reached out and said, "Hey, this was really cool." <laughs> so it's <laughs> an cool. N-methyltransferase inhibitor which prevents the breakdown of nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide in adipose tissue, and thus keeps metabolic rate in adipose tissue going. And if you combine that with MOTC and NMN or NAD plus administrations, you see a tremendous energy surge in the elderly, but also in the, the youthful guys. So when I ran a protocol of NMN, NAD plus, um, MOTC and 5-amino-1-MQ, you literally have energy for days. Yeah. It's, well, the, it's the way we have, uh, as you know, I'm a minimalist. So mm -hmm. the way I do that is we use something called placental tissue. Uh, yeah. So we take placental tissue. Um, we isolate the, the the part that has these growth factors, um, but they have signaling molecules, and mm -hmm. we we lyophilize it, which means we freeze dry it basically, and then we right. can we mix it with saline and we inject it subcutaneously, and it increases intracellular NAD for up to three months. So it's a it's a cheating it's a way easy way to so yeah. What am I doing, man? I, I got a hundred <laughs> vials of NAD plus in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. So just come next time, whenever we meet up in person, I'll give you a yeah. placental placental matrix injection, and it's it's an easy uh, way. I just um, do it. I just do it once every three months, and it it, it gives you such a great boost surge of energy. Yeah. Oh my God, man! I got to fly to Tokyo now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We got to we'll yeah. we'll to hook you up. For sure. Hey, man! This was insightful and eye opening. Thank you so much for your time. This was great. No, this it was, was fun. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much. Have a nice day in uh, London, and I hope to see you soon. We've got a yeah. lot to discuss. Yeah, a lot yeah. of treatments to discuss. <laughs> yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for take sure. care. Have a nice day. Take care. Bye. Ciao.